You're listening to a podcast of local news from the County of Suffolk in the United Kingdom. This is brought to you by the St. Edmundsbury News Talk Association, a UK registered charity. Welcome to the 1896 edition of St Edmundsby News Talk for the 15th of September 2022. The editor of this edition is Liz Roberts, the producer is Ruth Hill, and your readers are Neil Keeley and Chris Payne. We should also mention our processing team who work hard behind the scenes to copy and dispatch this memory stick to you. We commence with the headlines. Region mourns our much-loved Queen. Crowds gather across the country for the proclamation of King Charles III. For many adults in Britain, the Queen has been the only monarch they have ever known. Across Suffolk and North Essex, community leaders, including civic MPs and members of the church community, have paid their respects to the monarch, who died on Thursday afternoon, surrounded by her family. Flags have been flown at half-mast, including at Ipswich Town Hall. The Lord Lieutenant of Suffolk, Clare, Countess of Euston, her representative in Suffolk, paid tribute to the beating heart of the nation. She said, The beating heart of our great nation has been silenced. Our grief is beyond all imagining. The whole world has lost an incomparable queen and woman, a leader for all time. The whole world stands with its flags at half-mast. In our beloved Suffolk, a county the Queen has such a great affection for, we are completely devastated. Mary St Edmunds MP Joe Churchill said, I join with others in expressing my deepest sadness at the news of the death of Her Majesty the Queen. My thoughts and prayers are with the royal family and her friends at this sad time. The Queen, for many of us, has been one constant in an average in an ever-changing world, supporting our nation and its people through good times and bad. Her Majesty was revered as a symbol of strength, duty and leadership. Her loss will be felt across the world, but most keenly by those of us in the United Kingdom, the realms and the Commonwealth. Rest in peace. This is the MP for West Suffolk. Matt Hancock, who said, The Queen has been a rock of stability for our nation and the world throughout her 70 years on the throne. Queen Elizabeth II embodied so much of our shared history and she represented our great nation to the world. Her service, dedication and duty have inspired us all. Snowmarket Mayor Barry Salmon said we would like to send our condolences to the Queen's family for their sad loss and indeed the loss of the whole of the nation for someone that has been in place for such a long period of time. We would like to do all we can to ensure that her reign is respected for the way she has served us for such a long period of time. Sudbury Mayor Ellen Murphy said she gave a long loyal service to the country and will be sorely missed. I'd like to send my condolences to the family. It's important to note that she truly gave her life to her country. The Mayor of Bury St Edmunds, Peter Thompson, said, The people of Bury St Edmunds join the rest of our nation in mourning the passing of our monarch. 
we remember that she was not just an unprecedented head of state, but she was a normal wife, sister, mother and grandparent who was devoted to her family. She shaped our country, touched millions of lives across the globe, and whilst this is a time to be sad, it is also a time to celebrate an amazing life given in service of us all. Arrangements have been made to enable members of the public to lay floral tributes at St Edmundsbury Cathedral. The Dean of St Edmundsbury, the very Reverend Joe Hawes, said, As a nation and Commonwealth, we begin to come to terms today with the loss of the Queen, who has been for the vast majority of us a joint of stability and fidelity throughout our lives. Councillor Mike Chester, Chair of West Suffolk Council, said, it was with deep sorrow and regret that we heard the announcement of the death of Her Majesty the Queen. On behalf of councillors in West Suffolk, as well as residents throughout our area, we send our sincere condolences. Queen Elizabeth II was a well-known and much-loved figure in our part of the world. Her abiding passion for horse racing made her a frequent visitor to its national home, Newmarket, and the visits she made to Bury St Edmunds, especially the celebration of her Golden Jubilee, live long in the local memories. Indeed, she visited many places in West Suffolk where her interest in the lives of those who live and work here were appreciated by all who met her. At a time when changes to our everyday lives are continuous, the Queen was a constant. Her dedication to the duty of being our monarch was exemplary, especially to those in or aspiring to public service. Her experience, knowledge and compassion were appreciated by so many people and, to put it simply, we will mess, miss her tremendously. Our thoughts are with the royal family at this difficult time. The sadness at their loss is shared by us all. Suffolk's most senior Church of England clergyman has spoken of his profound sadness at the death of Her Majesty the Queen and said her decades of service are without parallel. The Right Reverend Martin Seeley, Bishop of St Edmundsbury in Ipswich Diocese said, We send our sincere condolences to her family. Her Majesty visited the diocese on a number of occasions during her reign, and during each visit the warmth of feeling the people had for her was clear. I know she had a particular affection for Suffolk. Through her decades of devotion to her role and to the people of the Commonwealth, she has given us all, rem given us all remarkable focus of constancy and stability, an example of self-giving service. She, all, she was always clear how our Christian faith was at the heart of this and how she found in her faith strength, fortitude and hope. She was a wonderful ambassador for Britain and an example to us all. I know people will want to pay their own personal tributes to someone who has been part of this great country's fabric for so many years. Books of condolence have been opened across the churches in our diocese as a mark of respect for Her Majesty um, the Queen Flags on all churches are also being flown at half-mast. Her family are much in our prayers, and in particular, we hold His Majesty the King in our prayers as he accedes to the throne. Ardent royalist Claire Walker, who lives in Stowmarket, will be travelling down to London today to watch the procession of the Queen's coffin 
from Buckingham Palace to Westminster Hall, where she will lie in state for four days. She said, I am a huge royalist, so since the news broke, I have really felt quite a sense of personal loss. The Queen has been a real constant in our lives. She has served the country loyally and faithfully for 70 years, and she will be deeply missed. It is such a significant moment in history, and we have a new king in Charles III, and I will never see another queen in my lifetime, so I thought it was really important to go down and pay my respects. Her love for the royals stems from her family. Her late grandfather, Charles Keeble, a former police sergeant and signalman in the Royal Navy, used to watch the Queen's speech every Christmas day at 3pm. Her brother, Brian O'Keefe, was also in the armed forces. Mrs Walker, who works for the EADT's parent company, NewsQuest, is planning to travel alone to the capital and is hoping to see the parade which will pass along the Mall and Horse Guards Parade. She is also planning to leave a floral tribute in Green Park, where many tributes have been laid, and is also considering visiting Westminster Hall to see the coffin lying in state, though this will depend on queues, as she will be returning to Suffolk the same day. Recipients of New Year's honours in 2022 from the Queen have spoken of their sadness at her death. Stowmarket resident Crystal Vittles received a British Empire medal for her services to enhance and improve libraries in Suffolk. She said, My feelings are very similar to Suffolk libraries. She was obviously a great monarch who was well loved and reigned for so long, and it's going to be very strange not having the Queen in our lives. Moving forward, I wish the new monarch the best of luck, and as a library we are going to do what we can to celebrate her life and service. I have a lot of respect for the institution of Monarch and what she did for our country over such a long service. We must all respect that and mourn that appropriately. There were more than 20 readings made across Suffolk on Sunday, starting at 1pm outside Ipswich Town Hall, across Bayburg and Mid-Suffolk, I, Needham Market, Stowe Market, Hadley and Sudbury were among the locations where crowds could gather to hear the formal announcement declaring King Charles III as the new sovereign. Mayors, community leaders, dignitaries and other senior public figures gathered for the readings with huge numbers of people turning out to witness the historic occasion. The local proclamations were coordinated by town councils. Councillor James Caston, Mid-Suffolk District Council Chairman, represented the authority at the proclamation in Stowmarket. He said, As the nation mourns the loss of Queen Elizabeth II, the greatest monarch to ever live, we remember her and the unwavering service she gifted this country. Now King Charles III has been proclaimed and a new dawn has begun. Nothing will be the same again. But at the same time, he shares the values and integrity of his mother, and I have no doubt he will serve this country with distinction. The third Carolean era has begun. God save the King. Councillor Susie Morley, Mid-Suffolk District Council leader, who represented the authority at the proclamation in I, said the proclamations were historic and moving moments. She said, The Queen has been a role model 
and someone I looked up to throughout my life. The passing of Her Majesty is a great loss to our nation, and I extend my thoughts and condolences to the King and the whole royal family as we all continue to mourn. Bayburg's District Council leader, Councillor John Ward, attended the earlier reading in Ipswich before representing the council at the Hadley Proclamation. He said, It was very moving, and I was proud that so many Hadley residents were there for our new king. Councillor Derek Davis, Bayburg District Council Vice Chairman, acknowledged that the council was not even formed when Queen Elizabeth II ascended the throne. Councillor Paul Epenyong, Middle Suffolk District Council Vice Chairman, who was at the Needham Market Proclamation, said, I feel a deep sense of loss at the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, who ascended the throne in the year of my birth. Now, though, I look forward to the long and fruitful reign of King Charles III. Thousands of people gathered in Bury St Edmunds for the proclamation of the accession of King Charles III. At 3.30pm, Mayor of Bury St Edmunds, Peter Thompson, read the proclamation from the balcony of the Athenaeum to the crowd on Angel Hill. This reading follows the first Suffolk reading at Ipswich Town Hall at 1pm. After the proclamation was read to the crowd, the national anthem was played for all to sing, God Save the King. There was also three cheers for His Majesty, King Charles III. Members of the crowd appeared optim optimistic about the new king's upcoming reign, yet mourned the death of Queen Elizabeth II, who died on September the 8th at Balmoral Castle in Scotland. Kevin, aged 57, said, It's a momentous occasion. This is the first time a majority of us have seen anything like this. We're living through history. Josie, aged 45, said, I was so sad when the Queen died. It was a terrible thing to hear, and the feeling has stuck with me over the weekend. She really felt like the nation's mother, so to lose that presence is devastating. But I do have a good feeling about Charles. He's learned from the best and always comes across well whenever I've seen him. Over the weekend, it has been revealed that the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II will take place on Monday, September the 19th. It will be held at Westminster Abbey at 11am and the day has been declared a public holiday. Shell, who was part of the crowd that gathered on Angel Hill in Bury St Edmunds on Sunday, said, I had to get down here for this. My family has always admired the royals and the Queen meant so much to so many people across the world. It's just crazy to take in and the reality of her death hasn't really hit me yet. I suppose it will when we watch the funeral. I really hope Charles is as good as his mother was. His Majesty, King Charles III, has a strong connection with Suffolk, having paid the county many visits over years. Queen Elizabeth II was also an admirer of Suffolk and was drawn to it through her affection of horses for horses and horse racing. Massive crowds of people gathered in Stowmarket Town Centre as King Charles III was proclaimed around the county following an earlier service in Ipswich. As the masses gathered around the marketplace for the 3.30pm reading, a choir performed a heartwarming rendition of Coldplay's Fix You. Town Mayor Councillor Barry Salmon was the man in charge of the historic occasion. Amongst the crowds were Jeremy and Karen Butt. Karen said, We can't ever recall anything like this before, and we're in our fifties. It's a big moment. 
looking ahead to the reign of King Charles III, Karen added, I think there's going to be less distance. We're going to get more of his opinions on things. Jeremy added, I think probably we got used to the Queen being more distant over the last few years with the gradual transition of passing more duties to Charles. I don't think we're going to see any giant change in the short term. I feel quite optimistic because I think he does appear to be making the effort to be in touch with people and the world and what's going on. He's been visible, which I think is great, so we're feeling quite positive. Gillian Clark said it was lovely to take part and enjoy the atmosphere of the proclamation and paid tribute to Queen Elizabeth, saying, It's amazing what's going on and how everyone is rallying around and thinks that King Charles III will look to follow on from in her footsteps. He's got a lot to learn, but he's had all these years of his mother being queen that he's seen what she does every year. So hopefully he should be just as good, she said. Jacqueline Taylor said she is also optimistic about the new king. I think he's going to be great as a king. I wonder if it might be modernised a bit more, and perhaps the royal family might be scaled down a little bit. It's a little bit of history that we'll be part of, she said. Also among the crowd was John Elliston, who said, King Charles is... I think, going to follow in his mother's footsteps in a very good way, so I'm looking forward to it. It's the sound of a story that is how the role of Suffolk's bells was described ahead of the proclamation of King Charles III. Bells across the county rang out following the official Suffolk proclamations. It was the first time since the announcement of Queen Elizabeth II's passing that the bells were rung openly with the bells previously having been muffled, in line with tradition, stretching back over hundreds of years. Public relations officer for the Suffolk Guild of Ringers, Neil Dodge, said, This is a once-in-a-generation, if not several-generations event. It's one that we're all very deeply proud to be part of. The bells in our towers can be heard for miles around. It's a sound that would be familiar to our ancestors. It's a sound of a story. It's a signal that a new king is in place for our local communities. It's a sound that's been heard in our villages and towns for over 400 years. It's our way of playing our part in this century's long tradition. The link between Suffolk's bells and royalty stretches back for hundreds of years. Newspaper records indicate that bells in Stowmarket rang to welcome Catherine of Braganza, who would become the wife of Charles II, as far back as 1662. Bells across Suffolk in places such as Bury, Bramford, Wrentham, uh, Ipswich, Fressingfield and Beckles all rang muffled to mark the death of Princess Charlotte of Wales in 1817. Many more towers rang three years later for the death of George IV. Suffolk is also home to some of Britain's oldest ringing bells, with 16% of the county's bells cast prior to 1600, which is the largest percentage of any English county. The largest bells at Little Cornard and Ampton were cast in the early 1400s, so have marked royal events for their local communities since the reign of Henry IV. The bell at Ampton is further connected to royalty, with a representation of king supposedly edward iii cast onto the surface and now for some headlines from other news 
farmland plan for 220 homes near hospital. Mill for sale with green light for flats and homes. Hundreds of homes could be built near the planned site for a new Bury St Edmunds Hospital under proposals submitted to West Suffolk Council. Outline planning approval is sought by the applicant Robert Brown of John Brown and Sons, a family farming partnership based in Horsted, for up to 220 homes on 10.3 hectares of open space. The closure of Gypsy Lane and the construction of a new replacement road to serve the development, with the option of a new access into the proposed new West Suffolk Hospital on land north of Gypsy Lane. The 16.57 hectare site is currently used for agriculture. However, Jackie Grimwood, future system estate lead for West Suffolk NHS Foundation Trust, said the Trust had not been made aware of the application or had any discussions regarding it before its submission. Meanwhile, the Trust had previously explored the concept of a new access through the western boundary and discounted the idea through talks with West Suffolk Council and Suffolk County Council Highways. She added, the Trust requests that this application be considered wholly separate from and does not impact on the progress of the live application for the new hospital. Chris Rand of Barons Road said, any housing created would be isolated and unrelated to the existing urban form of the town and its juxtaposition with the surrounding landscape. Ian Stevenson of Horsecroft Row said, I'm concerned that the traffic in Horsecroft Road has not been considered sufficiently. Mill for sale with green light for flats and homes. Plans to transform a landmark building in Bury St Edmunds into homes have taken a step forward after the site was put up for sale. Burlingham Mill on Station Hill is being sold through property agent Savills on behalf of developers Pigeon Investment Management. Revised proposals to convert the landmark building into apartments and build new houses and flats on neighbouring land submitted to West Suffolk Council in March have been approved. The plans include converting the mill into 14 apartments and building 28 homes and flats in the wider development, along with 48 car parking spaces and an amended access. An original planning application for the, for the development of the 19th century seed cleaning mill was submitted in 2015 and approved in September 2019. The mill was built by grain merchants George Burlingham and Sons in the 19th century and has long been in disuse. In 2019, Westover Council granted planning permission for the original scheme to convert the mill into 14 apartments and for a further 24 flats and four muse houses to be built on adjacent land, following demolition of existing buildings. Three of the properties would be designated as affordable homes, while there would also be 48 car parking spaces. Tom Fraser of Savills in Cambridge, which is now inviting unconditional offers for the 0.96 acre site, said, This is a rare and exciting opportunity for someone to breathe new life into what is a prominent building in an important area of Bury. 
Burlingham Mill is a central feature for the Station Hill Master Plan and its redevelopment will be significant as part of the regeneration of the area. Will Stanton of Pigeon Investment Management said, Throughout the whole process we've had very encouraging and thorough consultations with various local parties and this is reflected in the high quality of the scheme which retains the character of the mill building while also bringing the adjacent disused land back into use. Now some general news. A boy from Barrow who says he feels at home when he dances has been accepted onto a prestigious training programme with the Royal Ballet School. Tomorrow, Hudson Miller, who's 10, will begin classes with the Royal Ballet School as part of its junior associate scheme. He has also just found out that he has been accepted for the new Crystal Pite show at the Royal Opera House, which will be his biggest stage by far. As a boy breaking into the stereotypically female arena of ballet, Hudson's story may remind readers of the film Billy Elliot. But when Hudson watched it for the first time, he was taken aback by the opposition Billy faced from his family, as it is in complete contrast to the support that the Barrow Primary School pupil has had from his own parents. The son of ex-professional footballer Ian Miller, Hudson has had classes since the age of four at the Barrow-based Anne Holland School of Theatre Dance, where his mum Vicky is a dance teacher. Hudson said, I'm really excited to start with the Royal Ballet School on the 10th. When I dance, it just makes me feel at home. I feel that I'm supposed to belong there. When I'm dancing, I'm just happy. Vicky said she introduced Hudson to the Billy Elliot film ahead of his audition for the Royal Ballet School programme. We wanted to show Hudson that if that's something he wanted to do or was interested in pursuing, he can. We are fully behind him and support everything he wants to do. If he decides, I just want to keep it as a hobby, he can. It's fine. Hudson has decided to give up playing football for Bury St Edmunds-based club Sporting 87 to be able to travel to London to follow his dancing dream, but will continue training with his dad's 4-4-2 football academy. Despite his footballer background, Ian said he would much rather Hudson was a West End stage performer than a footballer. I don't want him to be a child who's following in his dad's footsteps. He's paving his own path, said Ian, a former Ipswich Town and Cambridge United player. Hudson's brothers, Albie, who's eight, and Rafe, who's two, also have dance classes at the Anne Holland School, which is run by Anne Stoughton. Every time I see my sons on stage, I just sit there ready to burst because I'm so proud, said Ian. He said Hudson, who has previously performed Electricity from Pilly comes alive on stage. The Abbey Gardens in Bury St Edmunds has been named as the fourth most visited free attraction in England, beating out the likes of the Tate Modern and the Science Museum. The study, conducted by Visit England, gathered information from more than 1,000 English attractions to establish the most popular places in the country for 2021. 
in the findings Bury St Edmunds iconic Abbey Gardens was recorded as having 1,276,864 visitors up from 1,021,048 in 2020. The historic site finished in fourth behind Brighton Pier and Natural History Museum and the British Museum. Visitors are drawn to the Abbey Gardens thanks to the remaining rubble cause of what was once one of the richest Benedictine monasteries in England. Two large medieval gatehouses are still standing in the West Suffolk market town, as well as two secondary medieval churches that are found within the grounds. The rest of the top ten was made up of the Tate Modern Somerset House, Science Museum, Victoria and Albert Museum, Clacton Pier and the National Gallery. Findings from the survey revealed that visitor attractions in England saw an increase in footfall of 30% in 2021, compared to 2020, as sites began to reopen and, and build back from the pandemic. However, visitor numbers across the country are still down 55% from 2019. <clears throat> Postbox toppers have appeared in Bury St Edmunds and Ipswich in memory of the Queen. A Paddington-themed creation has been placed near Angel Hill in Bury St Edmunds in a nod to the Royal Family's association with the children's book character, including a memorable skit broadcast as part of the Jubilee celebrations earlier this year. Many people have been leaving Paddington-themed tribute, tributes at the Royal Parks, though authorities have since asked people to leave flowers instead of Paddington Bear soft toys and marmalade sandwiches. <laughs> Another post-box topper has appeared at the top of Hawthorne Drive in Chantry, Ipswich, decorated with the dates of Queen Elizabeth II's life and the letters R.I.P., Post boxes will continue to bear the ER2 cipher until they are replaced. And if I may add, um, I went to the post office on Morton Hall today and there is a lovely knitted um, bo post box topper there, <laughs> which I commend to everybody to go yeah, and look at. They're just wonderful. <laughs> Teenager writes secret book. A teenage author is hoping to raise money for kidney research with a book he wrote during the summer in secret. Alex Endine, 17, from Red Lodge, penned the pain of loss in memory of his stepdad, Warren, who died of kidney failure, aged 43, in December 2015. Aged 10 at the time, Alex said at first he found the loss hard to understand, but a few years later grief took hold, mixed with the angst of his teenage years, and he still gets tearful now. Alex wrote the book in secret this summer. It's now been released on Amazon and Alex hopes it will help others dealing with the emotions that surrounding losing a loved one. I only knew my stepdad for a short time, but he was an inspiring person who lit up the room and completed our family, said Alex. A pupil at Mildenhall College Academy, Warren didn't even know he was suffering kidney failure and after being taken into hospital, he died three weeks later on the day he was due to come home. Mum was pregnant with my sister Willow at the time, and it was an awful time. I still miss him now and get tearful, and I thought writing the book would help and be therapy. I'm studying psychology and English literature at college, and also thought writing the book 
may be a way of helping to raise funds for kidney research, which I've always wanted to do since his death. Alex wrote for six hours a day during the summer and says the book took around a hundred hours to write. He told his mum, Natasha, he was working on a report for school because he wanted to keep it secret. The first chapter tells his own story of learning to live with loss. The second shares Alex's research into grief and the third and fourth chapters offer help on dealing with grief itself. I think the main lesson is that people need to feel it's okay to talk about their emotions, he said. There have been various theories around grief and the stages people go through, but I think this is the biggest lesson. The pain of loss on account and exploration of grief by a teenage griever is available on Amazon price £3.50 for the Kindle edition and £5 for the paperback. All proceeds go to Kidney Research UK. After three decades of volunteering in the police force, including guarding Princess Anne's helicopter, the Chief Officer of Suffolk Special Constabulary is stepping down. Dean Knight from Lakenheath joined the force as a special in 1992 and was promoted to Chief Officer five years ago. A special is a volunteer who has the same powers as a regular police officer. The 57-year-old, who left his position at the end of August, will continue working his day job as an environmental manager for DHL Express. It's been a roller coaster 30 years for Mr Knight, who said he enjoyed his time in the role due to his passion for community engagement and volunteering. He leaves the role with plenty of memories to look back on and said, It's been an absolute privilege. He said, one really interesting experience was guarding Princess Anne's helicopter when she flew into Newmarket last year. I was often ice cream while guarding the helicopter and had the embarrassing moment of the ice cream dripping down my uniform. He also felt very lucky to be selected as part of the Suffolk contingent at the Rem Remembrance Day parade at the Cenotaph in London last year. That was a real highlight and a proud moment for me. Getting my picture taken outside Downing Street was also nice, he said. The father of two began his career in West Suffolk and in 2010 was promoted to Deputy Chief Officer. Mr Knight said his family, including his wife Karen, had been very supportive, particularly when working late at weekends. He added, I think my biggest challenge has been balancing a day job, a family and working in the special constabulary. You have to make sure you give equal commitment to everyone and do your best in the, all three areas. Despite finishing his voluntary police role, he does not plan to stop there. It's a strange one because I'm looking forward to that bit of extra spare time now, but I'm looking forward to getting back into some sort of volunteering within the next six months, he said. I can't see myself losing that willingness to keep volunteering and do more for the community. Historic churches boosted by visitors over the weekend of fundraising and royal tributes. The Suffolk Ride, Stride and Drive event on behalf of the county's historic churches went ahead on Saturday, encouraging thousands to go out and visit local churches and raise funds. What started as the Historic Churches Cycle Ride in the 1980s now also encourages walkers and drivers of historic vehicles to visit as many places of worship to raise funds for the Suffolk Historic Churches Trust. 
Queen Elizabeth II became the patron of the National Churches Trust when it was founded in 1953, and organisers of Saturday's event felt it was right that it should go ahead in tribute to her. The cycle ride that started in Suffolk has now been adopted by the National Churches Trust, which runs events across the, across the country and coincides with the Heritage Open Days weekend, which encourages more people to visit local churches. This year's event in Suffolk was joined by South Suffolk MP James Cartledge, who visited several village churches in his constituency, and by former Suffolk head teacher Jeff Barton, who visited many churches near his Bury St Edmunds home with his friend and navigator Richard Fawcett. This year's event in Suffolk was especially poignant because as well as being run as a tribute to the late Queen, many participants also remembered Bill Turnbull, who launched the event last year, and a hundred-year-old cyclist Norman Gregory, who died recently after continuing to get about by bike until the end of his life. <laughs> Two men from Suffolk will journey across Europe in four days in a car worth less than £500 to raise money for charity. Ian Harper of Stowmarket has entered a charity banger rally <coughs> to travel, travel from Dover to Gibraltar in a mini one that has clocked 150,000 miles. The charity banger rally will see 47 teams compete to see who can arrive at the chosen destination in one piece. Ian said, we've paid £430 for a mini one, it's a piece of junk, and we've probably spent £70 on air fresheners. The exhaust immediately fell off and all the warning lights are still on, so it might be a bit of a challenge to drive it all that way. The car has to pass an MOT before embarking on the journey. However, Ian and his friend Alex Hitch will be travelling <laughs> with the necessary tools to fix any issues along the way. <laughs> <laughs> Soapbox Challenge returns to town with £10,000 rolling in. There were smiles all around as more than a 1,000 people attended My Wish Charity Soapbox Challenge in Bury St Edmunds at the weekend. Twelve teams took their makeshift vehicles to Mount Road and competed for various titles, raising around £10,000 for the charity that supports the West Suffolk NHS Foundation Trust. The event, returning after a two-year absence, saw a soapbox parade in front of the crowd, um, with teams showing off their wacky and wonderful designs before getting down to the race. Each team also performed, chore performed choreographed routines before heading off down the hill to try and bag the title of best performance. This was won by West Suffolk Hospital executive team who knew the word as they performed Grease Lightning and were awarded the title by the judges. The fastest com completion of the course was done by X-Fighter who bolted down the track in just 27 seconds. The team was composed of a group of friends in white hazard suits and Stormstrooper helmets, although the driver wore all black. Another team was entered by trade suppliers Clarks of Walsham, who, went, who won Best Fundraiser and were crowned the overall winners of the popular event. A spokesman for the team said the event was well run. They added, we had such fun and would love to do it all again next year. A bustling soapbox, soapbox city was set up at Priory School, where attendees could view the cars and chat with the racers. 
My Wishes Head of Fundraising, Sue Smith, said this year was the best yet. She said it's been two years since the last Soapbox event and we're a bit nervous as it almost felt like starting again. We were absolutely delighted with how the day turned out and thrilled at the quality of the soapboxes. Seeing everyone getting together, the ability to go back out into the community filled us with joy. We are not just raising money to support the NHS Foundation Trust, we also want to support the community and local businesses. The charity, which relies on donations, will use the money wherever it is needed, be it supporting patients, their families, staff, or putting it towards resources. The event was sponsored by local companies Treat, Ashton's Legal, Frames Conservatories Direct, Sealy's Tools and Enterprise Holdings. Each team also raised funds through Just Giving Pages. Sue thanked everyone who took part, including fundraiser manager Sally Daniels, who, she said, almost single-handedly organised the event. When it comes to the event returning next year, Sue said she was hopeful. She concluded, never say never. It's perhaps a little too early to tell. It's just such hard work. But afterwards we think to ourselves that the event was so brilliant and wonder what we would do next time. Now we have some letters. My first letter is from Diane Warren, the chairman of Fressingfield Parish Council. The parish of Fressingfield is deeply saddened to learn of the death of our monarch, Queen Elizabeth II. We send our heartfelt condolences to all the royal family. We are a small parish of some 1,200 people from all generations. For many of us, we have only ever known one queen. We hold her in the deepest affection and are forever grateful for the dutiful way she cared for all of us in this country and the wider Commonwealth and realms. Although she reached a grand age, it has still come as something of a shock to realise that her constancy is no longer there. We will be celebrating her life and mourning her death with the rest of the nation and, in our way, in Fressingfield. Our thoughts are with His Majesty King Charles III as he takes on what may well suddenly seem a daunting task. Undoubtedly it will be one which he will approach with the same care and diligence as Her Majesty the Queen. Right, and now I welcome you to Chatterbox, a weekly sideways look at what's got you talking, what's got you taking to the keyboard on social media this week. News that hundreds of homes could be built near the planned Bury St Edmunds Hospital site got people tapping away at their keyboards. Robert Brown of John Brown and Sons submitted the plans to West Suffolk Council for up to 220 homes. The 16.57 hectare site is currently used for agriculture. Louise Klemenovic's past said, It's just so very sad. A lot has changed in my 47 years in Bury. Before Morton Hall and all the other new houses, it was a lovely little market town. Sadly, no more. We need doctors, dentists and schools, not more houses. Steve Buckley thinks that instead of using greenfield sites, disused buildings should be knocked down. He said, what about knocking down all the derelict warehousing on industrial estates and building houses? 
perhaps Green King has some derelict land or warehouses it's not using and could support the community with building new houses for nursing staff off their land. Carl Goldsmith said, This is getting so upsetting now because every time I look at the Bury Free Press, you keep seeing build, build, build. It's really sad that they can carry on with this when Bury is getting full ready and other places. The NHS is getting overwhelmed with it all. Alan South Sutherill says, The last thing this overcrowded market town needs is more housing, especially on such beautiful land. Joanna Terska simply said, No, leave home of wildlife alone. Now that I'm a mobility scooter, now that I use a mobility scooter around Berry, I'm getting to know which shops and cafes are welcoming. And to be fair, I haven't found one which is not. Of course, some have unavoidable limitations with doors or steps. A real gem run by unpaid volunteers and a skeleton staff is the old school cafe at the bottom of St John Street on the right, going down next to the church. A non-profit-making community cafe supporting fair trade, local charities and organisations. Delicious home cooking, very friendly to all, lovely garden with seating. The debate still rages over scones as to whether the jam or the cream should be spread on first. Choose, pay, then they bring your order to the table, always with a smile. And that's from Simon Harding of Berries and Edmunds. Sir, my great-aunt was dressmaker to the then Prince Charles and Princess Anne. When I was eight, my mother took me and my brother to London on holiday. We went to visit Aunt Flo's work studio. They were making a hat for Princess Anne, and I was asked to try it on, straw encycled with flowers. Aunt Flo told me that Prince Charles had recently visited the workroom and seeing a model of the royal coach. He approached and said, That's my mummy in there. God bless King Charles III, and may he follow by his mother's example. And that was written by Janet Douglas of Framlingham. Now, my last letter comes from Liz Fordham. Firstly, I would like to congratulate all students who managed to sit their exams this year, regardless of the grades they achieved. Reading the article regarding this year's GCSE results, I noted that only those who gained the top grades were interviewed and photographed. What about those who gained lower grades, or those who sat alternative exams, such as entry levels, because their educational needs prevent them from gaining GCSEs? These students deserve to be celebrated too. Many students struggle greatly due to special educational needs which have either been diagnosed or not or have come from backgrounds where the parents cannot afford a private tutor but they still achieve to the best of their ability. It seems the reason why these grades aren't celebrated in the media is because they aren't academic enough However, where these students might, might not be as academic, they are more likely to make up for it with practical skills. Yes, we do need doctors and dentists, but we also need electricians, hairdressers, people who work with their hands. These people are just as essential as the jobs that require academia, but yet they don't seem to be celebrated. 
My, my last letter is written by Sarah Stiles via email, and she says memories of former kennels from the 1960s. In the 1960s, I worked at Misty Woods Kennels as a kennel maid. It was then owned by David Rees and his wife. They had a daughter who was at school in Bury St Edmunds. I believe the kennels may have changed hands in 1972. Some of the kennels were made from Nissen huts, and there was a very high fence all round the property. I wonder if anyone can remember if that site was ever an army camp in World War Two. I believe a Mrs Mills started the kennels soon after the last war. Should anyone reading this have memories of the kennels? Phone number was Walsham and Willows 352. I would love to hear from them. Our sense of what it is to be British derives as much from the treasured towns, villages and coastline of East Anglia as it does from the great cities like London or Birmingham, the late Queen once said. The Queen visited Suffolk on a number of occasions over her 70 years on the throne, whether that was for a private visit or an official state visit. One of the Queen's most famous visits was in 2002 when the Duke of Edinburgh accompanied her on a tour of the county to mark her Golden Jubilee. The first visit the Queen made to Suffolk after her father King George VI died at Sandringham in Norfolk was in 1953 when she and Prince Philip flew to Martlesham near Ipswich to see defences being restored along the River Deben. In 1961, she was driven around Ipswich Town's Portman Road pitch in a modified Land Rover to greet about 8,000 excited guests. On the same day, she travelled to Stowmarket to visit an arts, crafts and agricultural event. The Queen also paid a visit to many charitable events across the county during her reign. She received a 21-gun salute when she carried out an inspection of the 1st East Anglian Regiment on Angel Hill. In 1967, the Queen visited parts of East Suffolk as she waved to crowds after she left the Moot Hall in Alborough. That same day, she attended Snape Maltings. Ipswich and Felixstowe are where the Queen visited in 1977 during her Silver Jubilee. To mark her 50th year, Queen Elizabeth visited the region again. Bury St Edmunds gave her a royal welcome when she attended the Suffolk town in 2002. Her Majesty also opened Ipswich Waterfront in July 2002 when she unveiled a plaque in front of a large crowd to mark the official opening of the town attraction. In April 2009, the Queen was in Bury St Edmunds for the annual Maundy service, the first time the town had hosted the traditional event in which the Sovereign gives specially minted coins to people nominated for their service to the community. She handed out the tribute to 83 men and 83 women, one of each for each year of her life. Speaking at St Edmundsbury Cathedral, she said... Over the last 50 years, I have had the good fortune to receive loyal support and generous friendship from people across the region, be it those living in small villages or large towns and cities. For this, I would like to thank you. As I travel here this morning, I was reminded of the evolving history which has formed these counties and which gives the whole region the reputation for which it is famed. People with an independence of spirit 
a commitment to enterprise and a tradition of dependability, living against a backdrop of beautiful countryside and priceless heritage. The Queen had a genuine love of Suffolk, close friends in the county, throughout her reign. She stayed here privately most years, including visits to Newmarket, where she enjoyed her well-documented passion for horse racing. She even made unofficial trips to see her statue in Newmarket in recent years, turning up in an unmarked car with only a driver and a police officer. No fuss, just the extraordinary sight of Britain's longest-serving monarch, stopping off in a Suffolk town, almost like any other visitor. There are among the insights into her remarkable reign by the Queen's representative in Suffolk, Lord Le Lieutenant Lady Clare, Countess of Euston, who knew her for more than 50 years. She has spoken warmly of her, describing her as someone who was highly intelligent, funny and beautiful, and who gave immensely wise advice. Lady Clare, who lives in Euston, said, The whole world has lost an incomparable Queen and a leader for all time. In our beloved Suffolk, a county, the Queen had, had sorry, in our beloved Suffolk, a county the Queen had such affection for, we are completely devastated. Reflecting on her reign and their relationship, she added, I've been lucky enough to have known the Queen for over 50 years. My mother-in-law, the Dowager Duchess of Grafton, worked for her as her senior lady-in-waiting all her life. She added, she wasn't a serious person. There was a lovely lightness of being with her. She took her duty and the idea of service to the country so seriously she never complained about anything. One of the most recent trips was in Newmarket and a, and a mishap on the carefully planned visit left the Queen very amused. Lady Clare recalled there was nothing liked better than something going slightly wrong in, care, in carefully planned visits. When the last came to Newmarket, when she last came to Newmarket, on an official visit, a wonderful parade of Suffolk punch horses and wagons proceeded down the high street. No one had told the brass band not to play the theme from Dambusters. Little did they realise the year before all the Suffolk horses had been trained to do a special crisscrossing exercise. So that sung at the Royal Norfolk Show. The moment they heard the music, they started crisscrossing down the high street. The police could do nothing about it. It really amused the Queen. She thought it was so funny. Um, but what most people will not know is that until recently, the Queen would stay, in would stay in Suffolk every year, sometimes several times a year. And it was during these visits when she would sometimes visit her statue at Newmarket, racecourse entrance, which was unveiled in 2016. Lady Clare said she would go privately, just standing there in her headscarf and Macintosh. She just went in the Range Rover with a driver and police officer. She wouldn't have minded if someone had seen her, which somebody did. She likes that. She didn't always want it to be formal and overly planned. But her visit to Newmarket shows just how times have changed. Lady Clare explained the first time she came and stayed with Queen, she came she stayed with Queen Mary. She told me they were not allowed as women to stay at the jockey club and they had to stay somewhere in the high street, which is quite funny when you think of two queens staying there. Only men were allowed in the jockey club. They stayed in Palace House. Now it's rather grand, but I don't think it was anything special then.
Lady Clare said the Queen's extraordinary common sense and way with people would be hugely missed. You cannot imagine anyone with that degree of common sense and wisdom. She had such an instinctive empathy with the people she was with. You felt you did not have to explain anything to her. She understood it all. Lady Clare said the monarch had been the beating heart of the nation and she would be missed enormously. The Queen herself said very recently that grief is the price we pay for love and our grief as a nation is beyond all imagining. I think we are going to miss her so much. The continuity she has provided through good and bad times has been unparalleled. Really, she has brought cohesion wherever she goes. A Bury St Edmund's dad, inspired by the Pope-mobile to adapt a Mini so his disabled son could own his first car, has finally completed the project ten years after first buying it. Robin Middleton purchased a £600 classic Mini chairman van after seeing it on eBay and made it his mission to convert it for his son Charlie. Charlie has used a wheelchair all of his life after he was deprived of oxygen for several minutes at birth. He also has cerebral palsy and epilepsy and depends on Robin and Mum Cheryl for everything. This means he will never be able to have his first car, so Robin decided to help him get one. The vehicle, which is now adapted to accommodate Charlie's wheelchair, resembles the car popes have used for protection during visits. A Bury St Edmunds landscaping team has won the Association of Professional Landscapers Professional Skills Competition at the first BBC Gardener's World Autumn Fair. The fair at English Heritage Audley End House and Gardens in Saffron Malden saw Gad Brothers win a Platinum Award. Firms from across the east of England put their skills to the test by building a competition garden in just 16 and a half hours. Steve Smith of the Association of Professional Landscapers said, Gad Brothers proved their expertise, carrying out a well-thought-out plan in which they made strategic decisions about marking out levels and construction. Gad Brothers won a clear head. Glad Brothers won by a clear head and deserved their Platinum Award. A call has gone out for a rethink mm. on A14 junction capacity as Bury St Edmunds continues to expand. Bury resident William Wicks is appealing for joined-up thinking on the capacity of the town's highways, infrastructure and planning approvals for homes and businesses. He said part of the master plan for Suffolk Park should have been a dedicated access onto the A14 but that with further housing development on the horizon for land between Ruffham Hill and the A134, there could be a chance to rectify this emission by building a Junction 44A to join the A134 with the A14 and link across to Suffolk Park. In a letter to councillors, he said, Would you step in to save Junction 44 Berry East? Junction 44 needs some help to keep Bury a great place to live. There will always be traffic problems, but you need good planning to keep a place in a good lifestyle. With past development and a future development around the Junction 44 area, a Junction 44A is needed. It will be too late when Junction 44 is surrounded by houses. 
Trevor Beckwith, Morton Hall District Councillor, agreed there were traffic issues to the east of Bury which were particularly frustrating as they could easily be resolved. He said even more frustrating is knowing any responsible organisation would have seen them coming and mitigated at an early stage. Over several years I have used every option open to me to get some action and finally there may be some light at the end of the tunnel, including directional signage on the A14 and within the business park. Karen Soons, County Councillor for Thingo South Division, said it was essential the capacity of junctions on and off the A14 be considered when new homes were granted planning approval. I represent thousands of rural residents who feel that there is a real and present issue of junction capacity on the A14, said Councillor Soons. We are coming to the end of this edition of St Edmundsby News Talk. If you have any comments about the memory stick or difficulty playing it, please use the phone number on the pink sheet which you have been given. Alternatively, you can put a note in the pouch when you return the memory stick to us. We would like to acknowledge our appreciation to the Bury Free Press, East Anglian Daily Times, Haverhill Echo and the Newmarket Journal, from whose pages most of our items have been taken. News Talk will be back again next week. So until then, from Neil and Chris and Liz and Ruth, it's goodbye. Goodbye. been listening to a podcast brought to you by the St Edmundsbury News Talk Association. You can view more information about News Talk on our website at www.stedmundsburynewstalk.org.uk. The music in this podcast was provided under Creative Commons license by Scott Holmes. This podcast was created entirely by volunteers in our Bury St Edmunds studio.